Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Ruby. And we are The Duality Project. And you're listening to The Self-Study Podcast. The Duality Project is empowerment from the inside. We seek to live life on purpose so that we can more intentionally and intimately show up in our relationships and our communities. With a healthier perspective on self-development, we offer programs, coaching, and this podcast that support you in bridging the gap between who you want to be and how you actually show up. Through exploration and awareness, you'll discover a deeper understanding of yourself to become happier, healthier, and more grounded. We're so glad you're here. Something that goes along with this podcast is the curriculum we've put together called the Self-Study Program. We also offer one-on-one self-study coaching and many self-study courses via thedualityproject.com. Today we're talking about presence, what it is, why it's important, and how it shows up in life, and how do we actually do it? But before we do that, let's start here. What is a self-study practice? Yeah, so what's a self-study practice for you, Ruby? A self-study practice is what it sounds like. It's looking at myself and asking honest questions and being curious. It's about growth and expansion and my personal path to freedom. What about you? Okay, my self-study practice offers like, you know what I really feel like my self-study practice continues to show me is like how I am in relation to the world. Meaning like, I'm not just a fly on the wall in the world here in this time. I'm like an active participant of my life. And so what that makes me open to is adjusting. It makes me open to, or instead of it makes me open to, it helps me stay open to Mm. and get open to Mm -hmm. um, different perspectives, different ideas. Um, It completely expands my worldview what I know to be true, um, what I hope to be true. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes I feel like, you know, we do a lot of exercises in our self-study practice. And sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this exercise? And then like in real life, all of a sudden I'm like, aha, this is why I've been doing this exercise. So like, for instance, you know, we're going to talk about presence today as you already know, Ruby, but for those of you (laughs) listening, welcome to the podcast. Um, And like, okay, so something to know about me is that I live with my niece now and all of this work that I've been doing in presence. Yeah, I've I've seen many places where it applies and like how it applies and nothing more than I feel now. Like, (laughs) you know, being with a baby all the time, the presence that I get to like all of the work over the past, what, how many years have we used this particular curriculum on ourselves? Seven (laughs) it's been a while and so like yeah never in my life more have I felt the impact of what my presence practice gives to me in real time life and then being with a toddler a literal fucking toddler Mm -hmm. angel baby Mm -hmm. yeah I love her of course What I hear us both mentioning is this word expand or expansion and that a Mm -hmm. self-study practice um, expands our capacity to see ourselves, expands the relationship to the world, expands interpersonal relationships, expands the capacity to adapt in a way that means like being with a baby or being with whatever's coming up in life. And this sort of like Mm -hmm. expansion that... Hmm. Yeah. What is that? You know, like what 
expansion. Why? Why do, Why is that important? Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes room for, it makes room. <laughs> Your self-study practice is the ultimate form of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like, you know, we think that all of these things happen like externally, but they don't. They all happen in ourselves. And, it, and, and you know, you said relationship with like intimate relationships. You said relationship to the world. And it's like part of what Ruby means by intimate relationships is the intimate relationship that we have with ourselves. The vi- single and only relationship that is guaranteed to mm-hmm. us th- for life. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, what do you, you know, okay, here's a question. Why are, and I'm going to use the word good. I'm going to use a binary word. Why is it good to have a good relationship? You know, and like, uh, you know, so, so, so say you're with a partner. If it's a bad relationship and like not serving you and they're mean to you, you dump them. But in a self-study practice, so many of us walk around being mean to ourselves, saying literally awful things about ourselves. And it's like, damn, that was harsh. I'd dump you if you were somebody else. But like now, you know, because I've been in this practice of self-study for such a long time, it's like when I'm confused or when something feels like not right, I go deeper into myself. Mm. I mean, I also call Ruby. (laughs) Of course. You know? Yes. (laughs) Yes, and that we're interconnected, up, of course, <laughs> interdependent. Um, yes, that really, and just like a side note, real quick, like that brings up such an important part, right? That it's like the self study practice, while it is building a deeper relationship to yourself, and it is an inner work, it does not mean in isolation that it should be done. It is a totally. process and practice of interdependence, and should really be done you know, like at the same time, because life doesn't stop, right? Life doesn't stop for you to figure out how to not be mean to yourself on the inside. So it's like all integrated. And, um, and another word for that, right, is like in integrity, all the pieces coming mm-hmm. together. And so um, relationship to self and relationship to the world and relationship to others, all being integral pieces to this expansion, Yeah, three major words that, well, really four major words that we use all the time to talk about what is a self-study program. It cultivates integrity. Your self-study program um, blends the gap between um, who you want to be and like the shit you talk about versus how it is that you actually show up in the world. Um, The other thing is purpose. We talk about living on your purpose and like in joy like you when you're living on your purpose you have access to these deep moments of joy you know like my presence with the baby gives me these like really incredibly special moments of joy with her um so integrity purpose we talk about responsibility a lot um and you know I feel like sometimes responsibility is something that we like shy away from as if there's no freedom or or play or fun in responsibility but in fact my self study has offered me the opposite before my self study practice was I mean my self study practice has helped me move through move through and work with I don't mean to say work beyond I mean to work with my, shame you know, and like, it's the shame that keeps us small. But in fact, what my self-study 
process has given me more access to is fun and play and authentic responsibility instead instead of taking responsibility for everything that's not mine to take responsibility for now I take quality responsibility for what is mine and then the fourth word is sustainability um so the way that we mean that is like creating a true and honest and sustainable relationship with yourself and with these practices so okay our gal ruby can really talk to you about this process of perfectionism and so sometimes Mm -hmm. and often people who are led to this work who are led to a self-study practice or program or coaching or whatever there's a part and it's a shame story that says you're not enough and you've got to get fixed so you better start working hard to fix yourself and so what we talk about is sustainability And so what what does that mean, Ruby? When I think about what does it mean for my self-study practice to offer sustainability, to me, it means that my life gets to be, one, mine, Mm -hmm. two, evergreen, like Mm -hmm. there gets to be like a youthfulness about my own way of life and living, and Something that's really important to me is that my life never gets boring. And having Mm -hmm. a sustainable self-study practice within myself and then also in my relationships and like with people who also have a self-study practice that's sustainable means that we get to co-create life together from now until the day that I'm no longer, you know, and maybe into future lifetimes, however that works. And like, that's what sustainability means for me. And, and yeah, Kate mentioned, I can talk a lot about perfectionism, and I won't like deep dive there right now. But this idea of trying to fix ourselves so that we'll be worthy of Mm -hmm. love, belonging, connection, success, all of these things that we're already worthy of that we already have like a birthright to. And we try so hard, though, to use these external things to fix ourselves so that we'll be worthy of whatever that whatever feels most present to you right now, right? That X, Y, Z, whatever it is that you're like striving to feel worthy for. And that really is the opposite of expansion, right? When I think about like trying to fix something, there's like a contraction. There's like such a narrowing in that there is... Uh, specificity to it and while self-study like is kind of like a flashlight you know like it points at certain things that I can like that I need to see or that I can work on or pay more attention to but just in the same way that when you shine a flashlight it's not like a laser beam it has peripheral illumination and that's the way like the self-study practice should work as opposed to this kind of like fixing myself mentality and perfectionism, which is a laser beam. And like it feels like a laser beam. Like when I'm in perfectionist mode, it feels like a laser beam. Like before we got onto this podcast, I had, you know, perfectionist mode is like the technology is not working and it should be working. And I don't understand why it's working. And if we can't figure it out, then I'm not going to be able to do this. And I would really like to hit something right now. And it's like <laughs> laser beam energy. <laughs> At this like one thing as opposed to being able to like flashlight at it and be like, okay, whoo, that is a, that is a lot and probably not just about audacity. There's like some 
illumination in the periphery. Audacity is the name of the recording program that we use. And the audacity of audacity, the last Fucking audacity. (laughs) Yeah, and like, Ruby, as you're saying all of that, like, sustainability to me, too, uh, a real challenge of mine that Ruby's been really supporting me gently with over the years is like meeting people where they're at and what sustainability has given me is the capacity to meet myself where I'm at. And that includes looking at the stuff that feels awful to look at. Mm. And I can, I can get there now with, um, gentleness and kindness and care Mm -hmm. deep compassion you know it's like um the sustainability is like ooh, the soft part almost Mm -hmm. you know and like i hesitate to say that because of (laughs) there is (laughs) you know okay i hesitate to say that because Here's and and I'm just going to honestly speak to my experience with this idea of softening. Um, it pisses me off when somebody when when you're talking to somebody or when you're expressing yourself to somebody and they over soften into this like fake fuff- fucking love and light fluffy land way of talking about you. Oh, I'm sure it's not as bad as it feels. Uh, this too shall pass. Everything's going to be okay. I guess the silver lining is, is that you still mm. have great hair. Like, Shut up. I cannot stand that. I can, And it feels so something that I've recently gotten present to is I have this internal bullshit detector. Yeah, you do. And it I know. <laughs> and it's inherent to me. And all my life, every time my bullshit detector has gone off, the response that I've gotten, especially in the world of coaching, yoga, therapy, has been, well, I'm sure it's not that bad. Or, wow, it kind of feels like you're overreacting. Or, um, I'm sure they that's not what they meant. That one. I'm sure that's not what they meant. And what I've really gotten present to in the past weekend... I'm part of a, I'm in a program right now and some real bullshit has been going down and I've been feeling confused about it. And finally, after talking to Ruby and after doing a lot of more my morning pages on this very topic, what I realized is that my bullshit detector is my fucking gut and my gut tells me out in the world when something's not right. And that is an incredible thing that I have built inside of me that I get to choose when to give voice to. And when I do give voice to my bullshit radar, shit shifts and it's not comfortable. It isn't comfortable for me because what I recognize is that it threatens a sense of belonging, especially to a group. Um, Because what I'm doing is challenging the authenticity of a group or of the structure. Mm. And um, this is a good thing. This is a good thing that I have that is innate to me. And my self-study practice offers, A, Kate, 
This is a good part that gets to get heard and listened to and acknowledged and spoken to in a way that is honest. Mm -hmm. There's a real neutrality to me in stuff that's just honest. Mm -hmm. It's just true. And like, you don't have to, it's not, uh, somebody this weekend gave me, um, you don't attack the person, you attack the issue or the topic. And like, that is what my relationship with my gut offers me access to. It, and it doesn't even mean attack, but criticize. Not, you don't criticize the person, you criticize the idea of the topic. And, um, and criticism it is a criticism and conflict is where growth happens. That's where a challenge happens. Yeah. And I love that, uh, the attack, the, like the issue or the concept or like, what did you say? Attack the, um, don't criticize the person do criticize the content or the idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like, I kind of like the word attack, attack the idea, not the person is how we apply the self-study practice as Mm -hmm. a communal and collective engagement Mm -hmm. right because okay and if i am in my own self-study practice then i'm already dealing with my own and like working with my own internalized bits of shame and i don't need to blame or fault anyone Mm -hmm. or a person for that i am able to when I'm in that space, right? Like separate the person from the issue or the wrongdoing and attack that head on because actually like that is getting in the way of connection, uh, healthy relationship, healing, and growth. You mean when we like take a topic or an issue personally? like, Or we make it personal towards yes. someone else. I, yes, I more totally. mean it, I mean both directions, but I'm speaking to it more as in like, that direction like we point at and say like this is your fault like as a person when actually like Mm -hmm. you just go a few layers deeper than that and there's always like something more neutral is a good word but something more like not so connected to the humanity of that person right it's not about the humanity of that person it's this is kind of like I don't know in parenting where it's like it's not the the like the child isn't bad the behavior is unwelcomed (laughs) your feelings your feelings are valid your behavior is inappropriate Mm -hmm. yes a hundred percent i tell lily bear that when she bites me (laughs) i say lily bear i know you have some teeth coming in and you need something to bite but my finger is not going to be the thing honey and what that speaks to is impact versus intention and what our self-study practice actually gives us access to is aligning so another way of saying that we help you bridge the gap between who you want to be and actually show how you actually show up is saying we help you align your intention with your literal impact yep Mm -hmm. and like and okay so so then my experience in my self-study practice is when i feel i'm behaving in alignment when I cause harm with my impact by accident, when someone says, Kate, this has caused harm, I am so, 
I try to be, I hope to be, oftentimes I am very open to that feedback because what I care the most about is that I don't want to cause that harm again. And so obviously there needs to be a shift in alignment in this particular way Mm -hmm. to not cause that impact again. And I care that, that I'm more able to speak and to be in conversation about the impact and about like what happened and what went down and how did it cause harm than taking that personally as somebody telling me uh, you're bad. And that's like only, you know, we like tease that apart over years and years and years and years of self-study. And that is like lifelong practice, lifelong. And what Mm -hmm. I want to point at to there is that it is truly human and a natural human thing to take things personally because that threat because the the threat right is that a sense of belonging it is so Mm -hmm. human to feel like what if i'm not good enough or like i'm bad or i'm not worthy of love because i mean partly because we literally have to belong in order to survive and our brain knows that and so other feelings are meant to be like motivators to get us there and that is like the default that we run on. So I just, I point at that one to say like, there's literally no shame in having those thoughts. That is literally just human nature. And the self-study practice then allows us to look at those things and say, okay, okay, what is really true here? Like, what are the facts? What is really true? And I love, you know, like we break it down. What is the integrity? Like, what is integrity? What is the purpose what is my responsibility and how is this sustainable? Totally. And even Ruby, like as you're saying, and we've talked about like, what does it mean to be interconnected and interdependent on one another and how necessary that is for your self-study practice? It's like, okay, so somebody comes to me and they're like, Kate, uh, listen, you really caused harm and we really need to talk about it. Cool. What my self-study practice says I can do is I can put my own personal stuff down for a minute because the conversation needs to be about the impact. Um, And maybe later, like if I still have a lot of feelings that are still present in my body, I get to call Ruby, right? And I get to call Ruby and I get to be like, oh my God, I'm having all these feelings. And she gets to be like, totally. And all of that makes sense. And all of that um, speaks to how much you care about this and to how important it is that you belong in this particular environment. So all of that makes sense. And also good job on not centering all of that in this topic of conversation that you had. And now do your practices to process all the ways that you feel so that you can continue to show up in this conversation and in that space that you want to be part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something just like something else I want to presence too is even in a scenario like that just because that's the conversation I just really want to make sure we abandon this binary sense of like right and wrong right like it doesn't automatically Mm -hmm. make that person fully right in like whatever the thing was right like everything has nuance is what I mean to say Mm -hmm. and so just even having the understanding that there are layers and nuance to what's going on for that person, what's going on for you, where you're both at, what you understand, what is here. And it's mm-hmm. less about, oh, I'm wrong and I fix my wrong and more about right. 
let's look deeper at what has really happened and then how can I make restorative measures to mend where I can mend and make sure that if I can help it, this doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's taking responsibility for the ways in which you show up. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a teacher for a long time who said, you're responsible for the energy that you bring into the room. And two things. Yes, that's true. And also, I used that very phrase for a very long time to um, mute myself into not showing up authentically in a space, you know, like if I'm in a bad mood or something. I used that as a, I don't know, I guess to like rationalize uh, why I wasn't opening up with the people in a room or something like that. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I say that to mean, yes, we are responsible for the energy that we bring into a room. And there should be spaces in your world where you can show up Mm. with every single part of you and whatever is the most present and alive in any given moment should be okay. Well, because at the like deepest level, we we do a lot of pretending as humans, but we're pretty, we're very bad pretenders. And so the energy that like part of being responsible to the energy you bring into a room is that when it is a safe and trusted environment with people who you can and practice Mm -hmm. being authentic with, it is your responsibility to address Mm -hmm. the underlying energy because you're not as good as at faking it as you think you are. Mm-hmm. And also, like, you know, I'm just going to speak for myself personally. My gut is telling me something is off with the energy in here. And so literally, when I'm in close relationship with somebody, and there is that sense of interdependence, I already know. I already know that something's not okay for you. So please, can we talk about it so that we can at least be be together yeah. so that we can fully be together is what it feels and like for part me. of it is just being able to uh honestly acknowledge that something is off and it may not be the time yeah. and space to like unpack it but just acknowledging yeah. it is really helpful for everyone uh-huh and that speaks to like like even getting to like say to your friend like hey i don't know i'm really in a mood today and I don't know what the deal is, but instead of going out for dinner, can we stay home and make dinner together? And then it's like, yeah, sure. Let me know if you want to talk about it or if something comes up. Um, but yeah, I'd love to stay home and have dinner with you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like adjusting to be adjusting in an authentic way to be with the people that you love and that fill you up and that are part of your network your safety network Mm -hmm. and that the people in your life really deserve that kind of honesty from you and they just want to know because they care about you you know like trying to get on this podcast I was like I would like to hit something Kate is like how are you would you like to talk about it and I said I am fine which is the brand of this (laughs) microphone that I'm using that won't work very well for me for some reason (laughs) and not in a way like i i used to use like as a teenager i used to use fine as a feeling as a way to avoid conversation 
And I noticed like then or in my life now, I and the people who I use it with, who I'm close enough to, I get to use it in a way that's like, I don't want to talk about it right now. But that doesn't mean uh, does that does that make sense that that's different? Like it's not because you're not dismissing. it. Yeah. And I'm not saying yeah, I'm not saying that there's nothing else there. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. And and I think that is. um, Yeah, like I totally understand that we're in close enough relationship that I'm like, I mean, and then that's the other thing is that it's like, when, OK, let me finish my first thought is that we're in close enough relationship that I know what fine means is like, I'm ready to show up. I'm ready to put this issue down. I don't, there's nothing like ginormous to process about why I'm so fucking pissed at this technology. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm over talking about it. But like, yeah, maybe there's some like residual stuff. And like, I trust that you will do some jumping jacks. You will take a bath. You will lay on your acupuncture mat and you might stomp your feet around and have a little temper tantrum. And I'm like, yeah, Ruby, get it, girl. All of it. And then the, and then the other part of that is that I feel like in the false way that we use the word fine is to mean, yeah, I'm good. You know, like I think about this in like, especially when say you're in a partnership and you live with somebody mm. and one partner can sense that the other partner is feeling off. And so they're like, hey, how is everything? Like, what's up? And the other person goes, oh, it's fine. And you're like, narrator said that was a lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so but then what? Like when you go like, oh, it's fine. Like, that's when I'm like, okay, well. I, that what what I normally say in that situation is like, oh, okay, well, I guess it feels a little off for me. Are you sure there's nothing there? Mm -hmm. And and then you see where you know, that like goes. If, yeah, it, and then you see where that goes. Our, because if somebody's just gonna say fine to me, then I'm gonna let it go. Mm -hmm. Well, in our house, fine does not get to be a feeling. Yep, fine is not a feeling. It can mm -hmm. it can be. Yeah, like I said, like a tool that's like. I'm putting this down. We are moving forward for right now. Mm -hmm. But fine doesn't get to be a feeling. And like for so long for me, I used fine as a feeling to mm -hmm. ignore the actual feelings. Totally. And yes. all of this, like what we're talking about right here, right? This is a prime example of what the self-study practice looks like in real time. You know, it's like unpacking that and being able to say like, oh, I used to use fine as a protective mechanism and a way to like cope and a way to ignore the other feelings that were happening. And because I've leaned in and really intentionally bridged that gap between like, okay, I actually would like to feel more expanded in my life. And like that feels so constricting. And so doing that over time and the... I hesitate to use the word like progress, but like growth or evolution that has occurred to the point, you know, like now I'm like, and our house fine doesn't get to be a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, one thing that we have written down. So we're still talking about what is a self-study practice, you know? Um, and one thing that we have written down that I, I want to just like highlight in this moment, because what you're speaking to Ruby is knowing you're knowing your own emotional landscape and inner workings that are specific to you and your experience in this lifetime. Mm. So like it's, it's your emotional intelligence. And one thing that, you know, I was taught that emotional intelligence was how do other people feel? And mm. um, yeah, like that my responsibility being able yes. to like read someone's feelings. 
Yes. And what that led me to believe was that um, other people do this for me. They just know how I'm feeling because I've entered the room. And what I know now is that <laughs> that all of it's bullshit. <laughs> that's bullshit. You know, like, that's bullshit. It's not, for starters, it's not my responsibility to know what someone else is feeling. And it is my responsibility to know what I'm feeling. In relationship, it's my responsibility to check in. But it's not my relationship, uh, my responsibility to just be able to, like, like when you get out of the shower and you're moping around the house, it's not my job to know why you're moping or for that to be okay for me to just like let you be moping around waiting for me to ask you like, oh my God, is something the matter? And then you get to be like, no, I'm fine. And and like that feels so shitty for the person on the other end of that. It feels so lonely. Mm. That feels so lonely when somebody pulls away from you like that. But like my responsibility in that is to be like, if I'm moping around when I get out of the shower and a partner or a friend or whoever is with me in a home says like, hey, what's up? I get to be like, I'm feeling really sad today. And it all came up for me in the shower. And I just, I guess I feel sad. And I'm not really sure why right now or Maybe I am sure why. And I want to tell you Mm -hmm. because I know that you love me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, what you're speaking to is the importance that, and again, I'm going to bring up interdependence and how important other people Mm -hmm. are on our journeys, um, but that it takes both people in a relationship leaning in. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you might be the person who's always leaning in like, hey, what's up? And then that kind of turns into like a codependent thing, especially if they're not sharing or leaning in or like cultivating similar practices, you know, but it, it takes both people being willing, like in the same way that uh, let's say I in this scenario, let's pretend I'm the friend in the home and you're mopey or whatever. Okay. Um, I my way of leaning in is saying like, hey, is What's going on? Is everything okay? It doesn't feel like it. And then you have a choice, right? And then your leaning in is being able to say, I'm actually feeling sad and this stuff came up in the shower. But what happens often when we're not in the self, just like what happens by default when we're not in the self-study practice, what we have watched happen with people over and over is that, well, one the let's say I lean in but then the response is not leaning back in right the response is defensive and then that Mm -hmm. doesn't feel good like you said that feels kind of like lonely for me in this scenario and then I'm less likely to ask again next time or maybe Mm -hmm. codependently I ask every time but then I get shut down over and over and then eventually like if you ever ask me I'm gonna want to shut you down because that's what you do to me because at our Mm -hmm. base core it's very like as humans I feel like we're very simple uh, mm-hmm. we act very simply. We're like, well, if you're going to spite me, I'm going to spite you. And if you're not going to tell me, I'm not going to tell you. And this and this and this. Well, and I think it's like a safety mm-hmm. thing. It really it's an is. an emotional safety thing. It's like what it feels like when somebody continues to pull away from you. Is it, that's a sense, like that's, that's d- unsafe. It's this sense of, wow, if something r- happens, 
this person might not be dependable. This person might not be with me. This person may turn away from me Mm. as they do every time they get out of the shower. This is unsafe. That's emotionally unsafe. And not to mention the emotional labor that it takes the person who's always leaning in to always lean in, you know, because like that takes effort. Well, it takes effort. It requires effort. And vulnerability is the word that comes to mind and the way that like, it is very vulnerable, but when a practice is cultivated regularly, then the threshold of like how vulnerable that feels mm-hmm. gets to go down, right? Now it's just like normal, but if I'm always being met with like rejection, then it actually gets increasingly more vulnerable to the point mm-hmm. where I sh- totally, and this is like my from my own experience, it gets increasingly more vulnerable to engage to the point where I shut down and stop engaging and then convince myself that that part of our relationship must not be that important. You know, like I, it's okay. Yeah. Like this isn't, you know, there, I don't know, other things are okay. and And like what you were just speaking to is what we were talking about a little bit earlier is the capacity for. Mm. So our capacity for connection, our capacity for intimacy, our capacity for vulnerability all strengthens the higher the intentional safety, uh, the more, the safer we feel, mm-hmm. the deeper the capacity can be mm-hmm. and, the, and become. And the, uh, yeah, the safety of the environment that allows regular practice. So Kate, you owned a gym. You know what this is like. Yes. Uh, the safety of the environment allows people to learn to build their muscles and their strength through mm-hmm. practice. And mm-hmm. that's how you get stronger. And it's the same emotionally. The environment must be safe enough for the practice to successfully take place and build upon itself in order to strengthen the emotional intelligence, capacity, resilience, connection, Yes. And the other thing, okay, the other things that have to be present, right, are encouragement. So like at the gym, uh, I I had this one friend who also owned a gym. I had an acquaintance who also owned a gym. And something that really pissed her off was when a coach was kind of like a cheerleader. And um, I eventually had to be like, listen, I hear you. However, when somebody is learning something new, we all need encouragement. So like this idea of like needing encouragement as being like a weakness to me is such bullshit. Like encouragement, like quality encouragement. And what for me that sounds like in um, like in a gym environment maybe is like hey press your feet into the floor you're doing a great job you got this pull your you know engage your lats like you know it and it it includes like you got this and it also includes like helpful tips and tools that I see in the moment that could support you doing this thing that's hard so encouragement in relationship sounds like hey Ruby I know it was really hard for you to tell me that thing earlier and and I just want to let you know I'm really glad you told me I want to know stuff like that about you. And I'm really glad that you felt safe enough to do it. And maybe it's not that you felt safe enough, but maybe like in that moment you were able to find the courage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like thank you for choosing to be courageous and letting me in on your life. Mm -hmm. And support can look like inviting each other 
into this kind of dynamic and relationship, right? The encouragement yeah. and the support is like, oh my gosh, it is just amazing. You know, like my degree is in music education. So I did a lot of like early childhood education, psychology studies or whatever. And then like you're spending all this time with Lily right now. Mm-hmm. And so much of it is like how has been proven to like teach young people Mm -hmm. And it's like, we need to know that we're doing a good job and we need to be invited into doing a good job and like encouraged in that. And this kind of like Mm -hmm. um, validation as in the same way that, yeah, like you're talking about like cheerleading, like validation is another word for that. And that that needing validation is not weakness or bad. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make you selfish or egotistical or like whatever. Needing validation is part of engaging relationship mm-hmm. yeah damn absolutely this whole thing about like i don't know how you shouldn't need anybody or you should be fine spending literally your whole life alone or like you it's just such bullshit like that the joy in my life comes from connecting with other people and i'm unapologetic about that the joy in my life like it comes in it comes in connecting with Lily, right? Like every time we're down on the floor together and she's babbling at me about something, the connection comes in this. I mean, it's in like heart connection. It's like our little bodies are connected to each other in a safe way. And, or or like, you know, when I get to talk, when I get to talk to Ruby on the phone, it's like, that's a sense of it's connection and connection brings me joy. And, Fuck the self-help industry and all of the people in my life who have told me that, like, I should be able to do shit by myself. It's like, okay, no, thank you. That, to me, is white supremacy in a nutshell. You know, that's what keeps us separated from each other is this belief that we're not interconnected. Mm -hmm. Even if we all did life in our own little silos. We would still be interconnected whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. So we might, that to me is a bullshit radar thing for me of like, that's bullshit. It doesn't make sense. It's not true. That's, that ain't it. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. And we both have, I mean, I can speak for myself and uh, you can confirm or not whether this lands <laughs> for you. But I tried, you know, so hard and like, I, for me, earlier in my self-study development and just like in looking at myself and in really it came from a desire to like be a good person, right? Like be a better person mm-hmm. for me that's re- that was rooted in Christianity growing up is like mm-hmm. this is how to be a good person and my desire to really meet that and the way that that isolated me and caused you know that combined with the perfectionism Mm -hmm. really caused me to try to do it all on my own and damn that way just like ain't it it does not feel Mm -hmm. good and I thought it felt good right and now after years and years and years and years of self-study practice and like unraveling that and having you in my life and having Jake in my life oh my gosh it's so much better now I didn't Mm -hmm. even know how good it could be you know and like wow yeah I mean part of it for me is even like like as you're speaking to that to me part of it in being a good person what that meant is that if I felt good 
something was wrong. Like I was Mm. self-indulging if I felt good. And it's like that. What I recognize is that I'm able to serve other people so much more fully and honestly and authentically and in a way that feels good when there is the belief that it's good to feel good Mm -hmm. that it's okay to feel good that in ways that you can feel good okay microdosing pleasure (laughs) wow i can't wait to talk about microdosing pleasure but like pleasure is a is something is a feeling word pleasure is a feeling word and it's like uh any sort of feeling word speaks to our humanity Mm. And it's like just in the way that like all of, you know, we break stuff up into this is a good thing and this is a bad thing. More of this, less of this. Um, And I guess like uh, we're here to argue like, no, all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And yes. And yes. And. And that self-study is challenging of course but it's not meant to be hard or lonely or devastating or destructive it's like doing it's like doing the digging to to have a foundation that allows a taller building to be built right it's meant to build us up and so Mm -hmm. if it is feeling like self-destructive that there is another way and like that Mm -hmm. like the way is of curiosity and connection integrity responsibility purpose and sustainability Mm -hmm. yeah like a piece of advice that no one has asked for is stay far away from places that are only soft and nice and that make you feel confused or that make you feel small, or that make you feel like you need to be fixed, or places that make you feel like the person in front of you knows you better than you do. Um, yeah, or the, did I say confused? Mm-hmm. Did I say shame? Stay away from those places. Those places are bullshit. Let your bullshit radar tell you what's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so are, you know, you mentioned like the soft, these soft places that do that kind of emotional manipulation. Stay away mm-hmm. from the severe, extreme, hard places, yes. right? Like the places yes, that are Atlanta. like, no pain, no gain. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Stay away. From the extremes, like what we're actually getting to, like what I hear us speaking to is like, yeah, stay closer to that center line of like, yes, and explore the nuance for yourself and get your hands in the dirt about it. Yeah, it's like it's gardening, which is both which is both gentle and extreme, (laughs) you know, and it can and it can tolerate such wild nature things. If it's cultivated, you yes, know, I'm serious. I know. You're like, I know you are. 
it hailed here the other day and it's what month it's the fucking end of april and it hailed here like two days ago and i just think about you know like all the buds on the trees they're like all coming out and like they're all still okay because they have deep roots Mm. and they have done this year after year after year and like one hailstorm isn't going to bring them down yeah Wow, poetry tree outside. Poetry. Okay, so Ruby, let's do you feel complete on talking about what is a self-study practice? <laughs> yes. I also do. So let's move right into um the topic of this entire podcast today is gonna be <laughs> presence. So, okay, so as you know, what Ruby and I have created is an entire curriculum that we have been using for years and that we work with our clients in. We have a full year-long self-study program. And what we're doing this year is we're breaking that down into some mini-series. So last week we had our first mini-series, which was so much fun, and it was about presence. And so all we talked about was like, what is presence? What does that mean? Why do we do it? Um... So yeah, we're here to share what is presence and like our learnings through that, through that most recent workshop. Mm-hmm. And presence is the first theme in our curriculum for a reason. The self, mm-hmm. a self-study practice starts with presence. Why? Yes. Because presence is what is here now, as it is, as it's not you know, without fixing it first, presence is what is here. Yeah. And, and I know I said this earlier, but there's this quality of presence that is just bare bones, honest. And it's like, to me, like, yeah, stuff that's true and stuff that's honest, like, yes, it can, it can like land and it can, it can, we can have feelings about it for sure, but there's something really neutral about what's honest in the present moment. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite ways. Like, it's windy outside. Yeah. I hate that, but it's windy outside. Yeah. One of my That's favorite ways to experience the present moment and really get in touch with that neutrality is through my available senses. Mm-hmm. Particularly sound really resonates for me and I love listening to the layers of sounds at any given moment and listening for the farthest away sound and allowing sounds around me to exist. So this is like a practice that I use during meditation a lot or anytime that I um, yeah, want to connect with and get grounded in the moment is just listening. And like, especially if I close my eyes, so my sight is like taken out of the equation, there is that, uh, usually there is an initial impulse to want to do something about the sounds I hear. And the practice is that I don't have to. and Or to know what the sounds are. Yeah, to be able to like figure out what is making the sound. And the sitting with and listening to with and over time allows a neutrality to emerge that is the present moment it is being with the present moment Mm -hmm. yeah so I'll share a recent example of how I spoke to um presence recently um so I'm in a I'm in a coaching cohort and my bullshit detector as I mentioned has been going off for a little while and I shared 
I finally got clear on like, what is my bullshit detector telling me? Like what's basically like what's coming up? What are the part? There's something that for me that feels, this feels like friction. Um, I feel this energy in my body and it's not getting a release. And it's because this same thing keeps happening over and over and it's not okay with my body. And so um, then in conversation, we were talking what I had to say made the group uncomfortable. So there was like, you know, discomfort in the room. And then uh, the facilitators checked back in with me after having a conversation and they checked in within the group. And for me, what had the, the way that the conversation had gone, like still didn't land right for, right for me. And it still wasn't okay. There was kind of a skirting around the issue that was happening and, um, you know, people in the cohort had been like, wow, I'm really glad we had this conversation. I feel a lot more clear. And they said, you know, Kate, can you, how are you, you know, what's coming up for you? And like, I dropped into my body. And what I mean by that is like, I took, you know, I took three big deep breaths. And I intentionally kind of like my mind said silently to myself, like, what's here? what's here? What's here? And then finally, I addressed the group. And I said, you know, there's a lot of heat in my body. And so I don't know what all of the heat says. But for me, what I do know, where there's heat, um, you know, I can sense that there's anger here. And the way I use my anger is to point me towards something that I care about. My anger is telling me that I care about something. And also what I know in my felt sense of my body right now is that something is out of alignment with what you said. What you said is out of alignment with what's going on here, with what's really happening here. Um, and so I was able to say in a, in a really, I was able to give voice to my anger and to what was present and to my body. And what I noticed is that there's the conversation is still being received. Um, it's still happening. Um, I know that it's still happening behind the scenes. It's still happening behind the scenes for me. Um, but it's like, that's how I leaned in, you know, like we were talking about the leaning in and telling the truth, Mm -hmm. telling, you know, I'm actually still not okay. This is still not okay. Um, and I'll continue to show up if y'all continue to show mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah. And what I notice after that is there's when I don't speak to those parts or or when those parts speak without me, basically, I've shut them down for too long and then they just explode. I don't feel good about either of those scenarios. When either of those things happens, there's still a lot of residual energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but after this. I just felt so clear and it and the only thing it felt was honest Mm -hmm. yeah and the way that presence is being honest over and over and over again because every moment is brand new and I think you know that is a big piece in relationship building both with ourselves Mm -hmm. and with our other like other people in intimate relationships particularly is remembering that Presence is being honest over and over and over again. It's checking in over and over again. It's choosing to 
speak to what is here and now, mm-hmm. whether or not it is the same thing that was here and now yesterday on the same subject or not, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. like every to go all philosophical like every moment is a new beginning and like that is real every moment holds within it something that is so unique and we do an like a disservice to presence when we assume that what someone told me about themselves or my experience of that person yesterday is going to be the same today you know and and of course, there are pieces to that, right? We could go into like the deeper dynamics of, well, what if someone harmed me really badly or whatever? But what I what I really am just like pointing at, though, is the opportunity that each moment gives us to discover ourselves and mm-hmm. each other over and over again and to receive that as true in the moment, right? Like as yeah. what is real right now. I would like to point out a bit about our nervous systems and the way that presence is actually the means of safety in our bodies. And so something as simple as not just hearing the sounds around us, but seeing and like not not just like look, you know, like of course you see the stuff around you, but like intentionally seeing and orienting ourselves as a way to regulate our bodies and to assess safety in the moment and like I guess what I really mean by that is the practice of simply taking a pause and how impactful that is for the animal of our bodies wow is it a good time to read that Mary Oliver poem yes always literally any moment is the right moment to read wild geese by Mary Oliver Don't worry, I already have it up. Let's take a moment together. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. That's Mary Oliver. That is just one of my favorite poems. I love that so much. So I was listening to Tara Brock's podcast and she was telling a story about, I think presence. And she was saying, you know, there's this little toddler and they had made a, um, they had done a drawing at school or something. And they were so excited to show, um, one of their parents when they got home and their parent was like, a. Uh, you know, like a Wall Street guy and he was, you know, and then he got home and he was on his phone and he was doing something and then the kid was going like, Daddy, I wanted to show you something. Daddy, I want to show you something. And Daddy just like walks right past the baby and then goes into the room to get on the computer and is doing something on his computer, something very important. And the, you know, the kid comes over and is like, Daddy, Daddy, I want to show you something. And the dad's like, I see it. I see it. You know, like you're, it's great. I see it. And the kid keeps tugging on the dad's leg. And finally the dad goes, 
what do you want down there? And the kid goes, I live down here. And like that to me is so tender. And that to me is so the soft animal of our body. The truth that to me is the truth that to me is what's vulnerable. And that to me is like what's truly present. It's like I live down here. Can you just fucking take a second? Just one moment and give me some space Mm -hmm. for you to see me. Can you try to see me? Mm -hmm. What the practice like the on purpose practice of presence gives us access to is life in real time integration is a word that comes to mind that presence gives us presence gives us access to integration and to stop pretending that life should be perfect in any form fashion of your imagination of what you think that should be or look like or that you should be feeling like or that your life should reflect or whatever it's like presence says stop with the bullshit That you're shitting all over yourself with all these shoulds, ifs, ands, buts, leave me alones. And get here now. We need you. Yeah. And you know, like, okay, so my dog was just whining at the door. And she was whining, 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 whining. Wasn't going to stop. And then I opened the door. She came in, went out, came in, went out. I told her what I was doing. I was like, I'm recording a podcast with Ruby. And I can't really talk to you right now. And she was like, oh, okay. And now she's not at the door. She's gone to do something else. She went to entertain herself, you know, but if I had never opened the door, you know, it would have gotten incessant. And then she starts to like knock on the door and she's like, mom, I'm freaking here. And I know you can hear me, you know, and that's the way that like our internal, um, it's the same way, like our internal landscapes work. It's a way that like our feelings, you know, it's like when you, have a feeling and you never give it space eventually that shit comes out sideways and you're saying weird shit to people that and you're not meaning it and you're like that's not what i meant and it's like yeah but it is what you said so is that what you feel and it's like well no but like i mean maybe you know and then you're like okay this is not the same conversation i thought we were having Mm. what are we talking about Mm. and it's like because this other stuff is coming out sideways because we're not giving it the time of day you know Yeah, presence as the art of attention and how that gives Mm us clarity, peace, a place to land. Yeah. Yeah, like access to the truth. Yes. Access to the truth is in presence. And and the things that give us presence are like, I mean, the very first thing that gives me access to present is a big breath. Mm. and it's like what a breath speaks to is space you know you feel the expansiveness that happens on the inside of your body you feel it's almost like I mean I can sometimes feel like my brain takes a breath you know like yeah the way that our I think like our bodies are our vehicles for our awareness of presence and like our capacity to be present because our bodies are always present your body cannot be in the past or the future your body is here now and 
one of my favorite little kitschy things to say in my yoga classes is to have my students hold a plank for a really long time. And then I'm like, you know, the quickest way to get present is high plank. Like see the spot on the floor and the way that like our bodies give us direct, immediate access to here and now. Whether it's feeling your feet on the floor, taking a deep breath, having a hug, doing a plank, like whatever it is, our bodies give us that immediacy, right? Like like a, it's a portal. It's a portal into here and now, which is where you are anyway, right? We just like spend so much time in the head living elsewhere what is that movie where they go into the lion the witch and the wardrobe what is the name of that wardrobe narnia narnia oh my god yes um yes (laughs) the breath is the wardrobe i feel like the breath specifically is so like potent for that too because the breath itself engages so many of our senses you know like through mm-hmm. breath we smell there is there's a sensation there is a sound you can see mm-hmm. your body move mm-hmm. yeah activates all of the senses mm-hmm. i can taste the breath mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and something else that we really talked about in the presence workshop is okay one of the participants came up with this term, microdosing pleasure. And I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'll give you the whole spiel about why I love it. And then, um, and then I'll get to the point. The spiel about why I love it. And this particular participant has experienced um, some major trauma that lives in their body. And so therefore what they were sharing is like presence is so fucking hard for me. Like meditating is so hard for me. Being present with my body moving slowly is so hard for me because what is in my body is trauma and it's wildly uncomfortable. And, and so they came to the workshop kind of feeling down on themselves about meditating being so challenging or moving slowly being so challenging feeling present being so challenging and what we offered was like that actually makes sense if every time you start to pay attention and your body is is experiencing this deep discomfort because of trauma That makes sense that this thing is so hard. So instead of thinking about presence as sitting down to meditate for 30 minutes or going on like a block walk that takes an hour, you know, like moving super slowly, if that's wildly uncomfortable, let's switch gears. Like it doesn't have to be done the way that it's always been shown to us or the way that everybody says it's supposed to look. So what we offered was like, why don't, you know, they were like, I go on these basically like speed walks with my dog and like, I'll get back to the house and not have noticed anything. And we were like, okay, how about you make the intention of noticing one beautiful thing on your walk? Notice one beautiful thing, get present to one beautiful thing. And they go, oh my God, like microdosing pleasure. And we were like, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Like, because what that does is it, first of all, it takes away the shame that is telling her, 
um, you're not good at presents. It's like, that's bullshit. Actually, we haven't found a way that presents can work for you yet. Let's try something else. Oh, okay. There's options. Wow. Cool. Yes. Okay. And then it's like, instead of going straight into the very depths of this situation that is violent and wildly unpleasant for your body, let's get present to beauty. Let's get present to pleasure. Let's get present to joy. Start practicing that. Start teaching your body that sometimes um, there's good shit. Sometimes the present moment is and can be pleasant for this particular person, mm-hmm. you know? Because, yeah, it makes so much sense that if every time you're present, shit hits the fan, that that's not where I'm trying to be. No, and why would your body, like settle why would your body settle well it can't and And like coming back to the nervous system right like it literally cannot like your body your autonomic nervous system your brain right are all working together to keep you safe and if the present moment is not where your safety is going to happen based on your experience then Mm -hmm. your um like for lack of just like for the most integrated way of saying it like your animal body is going to do everything it can to keep you out of that thing for the sake of your survival yeah it's so wild that we think of ourselves as kind of like as if we can override the nature that is the humanness you know like uh for instance my dog emma um where i live right now it's um ground squirrel season and my dog is a rescue and ground squirrels turns out like live they are kind of like prairie dogs but turns out they're different and they're called ground squirrels i've learned that this year and um so so far this season she's killed two of them and do i love it no i also am like it is her natural instinct so I've never been able to stop her from going after little critters like that. It's like, you know, for the first six months of her life, she was out in the woods alone having to kill stuff and eat stuff for her own survival. And, you know, like since I've had her like, yeah, I try for her not to do that. But also I'm not in control of her. Mm -hmm. I'm not in control of her all the time. And so there's this like. I'm just able to meet her so compassionately and caring and like with understanding that like, oh, she's nature. Mm -hmm. She does dog stuff that I don't really get, but it's nature. And so, and I'm not in control of her. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing for us. We are nature. We can't override this natural part of our human existence and of our human bodies. I think we often confuse discipline with self-control and confuse self-control with deprivation. Yeah. Yeah. Self-control, willpower. Yes. Yes. Somehow. Why, how did the narrative become that if you're doing self-control and willpower, then you also get no pleasure? I don't know. Ew. Ew. Or that the point, ew, ew, that ew. the point is to override the nature. Um, I can't remember yeah. who the author was. I want to say Rob Bell. Are you familiar with any of 
his writing. Anyway, he's a he's a Christian author, mostly, I'm pretty sure. The point not being that or him. The point being, I remember one time reading something he wrote <laughs> that was talking about how, like, as humans, we are this, like, the way that he put it was, like, this mix of animal, like, earthly animal and, like, heavenly angel. Like, we are this, like, weird combo. But, like, we okay. spend all this time trying to, like, be God, like, be God, essentially, or, like, be yes. angels, like, be closer to God and, like, ignoring, like, that we are literally on Earth and our nature is literally an integral part of us and that... Yeah, like that doesn't serve us. Trying to separate who we are and like micromanage how we are is devastating, not just to ourselves, but to the people around us who then we inevitably put that on to. Yes. Yes. Like something that you're giving me right now is like, um, okay, so as a, you know, a cis woman in the world. The people who have openly, openly body shamed me more than anyone else are other cis women of the world who feel also, they feel uh, like if I have to run a hundred miles a day and only eat smoothies, then how dare you uh, eat cake? And... You know, like, uh, we shame the people who we're closest to. And we shame each other because we're shaming ourselves. Yes. And that's what I'm, that's kind of what I'm saying about, you know, how diet culture gets perpetuated. Because it's like, once you're really in it, if you're in it and you're believing it, you're, the internal dialogue is, and whether we're aware of it or not, is really, how dare someone? Yes. How dare you not also be treating yourself as awfully as I am? And if you're eating cake then I have resentment toward you that I can't even access being able to like speak to because because that's so much deeper than what the impulse feeling is. But the impulse is how dare you? We live in a world where Mm -hmm. I have to drink smoothies and eat salads only and run every single day in order to count and offset those calories. So how dare any the audacity of someone to not care about that when I have made every waking thought think about that. And like, I'm yep. speaking from personal experience. Same girl. <laughs> yep. 100%. Okay. And you know, I recently read Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart. It is an excellent book. And by read book, I mean, listened to the audible version. I love listening to Brene Brown talk and she talks about envy and she shares that like she's like I always thought that envy was a part of anger. But oh, I'm not trying to talk about envy. What am I trying to talk Jealousy? about? Jealousy? Resentment. 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 She's talking about resentment and how she was saying I thought resentment was always a part of anger, but resentment is a part of envy. Resentment is tied to envy and what resentment says is I feel envious and and in fact according to her book I may not be using the right word. I I forget the intricacies of the difference between jealousy and envy. And I'm going to do it and if I'm using the wrong word according to Brené Brown then then that might be true. Anyways, uh so I'm envious that okay, so say somebody has 
hello work boundaries. And they're always leaving the office at 459. They turn off their phone. I can't get in contact with them until the next workday. Like I might feel resentful of them. And what that really is, is like, it's like, because I feel envious that I'm in the I feel envious that this person thinks that they can just fucking leave the office when I feel like I have to be here until seven o'clock at night. And it's like, well, who told you you had to be here till seven o'clock at night? Are you just maybe choosing that on yourself and then making it seem like you're better than the other person because that person has boundaries and maybe you don't? This is Oh, Ruby's Ruby's having some feelings. This is just like, a you know, this is a big one to get present to. And I remember when I had the studio, um, I had an employee that I felt a lot of what felt like jealousy and and resentment for. And I remember sharing with my therapist, I was like, I just like kind of feel like it felt like anger, but that, you know, like the resentment there, it felt like I feel so resentful and like upset at this person. And I was like, but I don't fully understand why. Cause like, I don't want to be doing what they're doing. You know, like, I don't, I clearly do not resonate with, like, what it is that feels like it's the action that feels like it's activating this in me. I feel so confused by that pattern of events. But I definitely have feelings. And it also doesn't feel like at that person. But this person is really triggering this feeling in me. Like I feel activated by their just audacity to behave in this way. That is like (laughs) just them doing what they want, you know. And that's kind of what I got to is I was like, oh, whether or not this is true, my perception of this person is that they do what they want and that they do what they want with their time and that they manage their time how they desire to and how it works for them. And I don't even know if that was true. How dare they? And for me, I felt incapable of detaching from my work and weighed down by the burden of my care. And I remember like for weeks and weeks and and this shit happens to me all the time in therapy. I just like hear it happen. I say the same shit over and over. My patient, dear therapist, is just so open toward me. But I remember specifically then it was like, I really want to go swimming. And she's like, "Uh, okay, so like, when could you do that? And I would be like, I cannot possibly, I do not possibly have any time to go swimming. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't have time for that. I don't have the energy for that. Where would I even put it in my day? And she was like, okay. (laughs) Okay. How dare you think I should just be able to do shit that I like sometimes. And that's really how it felt. And, you know, like the resentment that comes up when we, when we aren't Okay, so resentment at for me has been an indicator of there's something to get present to, right? There's something that I'm not seeing yet. There's something that I've maybe mm-hmm. been pretending or like ignoring or just like haven't recognized yet. And so when that comes up, that's, yeah, it's not about the other person. It's so much about like, okay, what am I, often it's related to deprivation. Like what am I depriving myself from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like resentment for me um, shows up in like I when I can really recognize resentment, I'm like, oh, it's because I haven't said that thing. It's because I haven't said that thing. It's because I haven't set a boundary around this. If I'm really feeling resentment, 
Mm, and and that's speci- I like what you're speaking to. I relate in it, like direct interpersonal relationships, right? So yes. Uh, in the example I gave, we were not having any exchange about like really like what she was doing with her time or whatever. I was like a totally a bystander having these like feelings at that. Yeah, but that even still is like a boundary with your own time. Yes. Like the, what the the freedom that you're witnessing in, in that person and feeling resentful towards is because you haven't created that freedom in your life. Mm-hmm. And then there's the part of it's like, Okay, well, what's the shame part? And the shame part is like, I'm not worthy of it. Totally. And then the part that feels so conflicting, especially in a situation like that, is when you're like, I do feel like that other person's worthy of it. Like, I think they should be like, able to actually, do that shit. Like, but, actually like, good for them. And fuck uh-huh. them for the audacity to do that. <laughs> uh-huh. And that, to me, that's the boundary part. That's the boundary part of, or the part that's not being heard and and given voice to um that's another thing about presence is we cannot give voice to the things that we are not present mm. to um yeah and that that speaks to this so therefore we, conversation of resentment specifically yes yes yeah and so like how can you make the time if you don't even realize that the way that you're using your time feels i don't know how did it feel too much unsatisfying yeah or like incomplete Mm-hmm. yeah wildly restrictive so restrictive that you're not able to be a full person within your mm-hmm. life yeah that there were parts of myself that i wasn't giving myself access to and whether or not this other individual you know could speak to their own experience of having that kind of access i didn't even know right but my perception of them was like they have access to all the parts of themselves and i want mm-hmm. like the sad like really like the the depth of grief within myself that i wasn't giving myself access to all of my pieces mm-hmm. yeah ruby and i both do a lot of um like parts work and i've really like loved I've really loved that work and I and I have a therapist that I work with and we do parts work and um it doesn't necessarily feel the same as have have you heard of internal family systems Mm -hmm. IFS that work I'm not sure if they're like exactly the same thing or if they're different but anyways thinking and you know like I because I because I feel um my body so resonates with the idea of having parts. Like when I'm speaking from one part, there's a part of my body that lights up um, that I feel um, sensation in of some kind. Um, And depending on what I'm talking about or who I'm talking about, uh, talking to, like certain parts of my body will like be lit up. And this idea that all of my parts are part of the whole. And so it's like when I first started exploring the idea of like parts, there was one part that was just like, she was a bitch to all my other parts. She was so just like awful to them. And the day that my therapist, the day that we were able to get to the part of the conversation that's where we were able to ask that part, well, how do you need to be supported? Basically like, what's up? Why are you so awful? And she was like, cause I need this and I need this and I need you guys to all be showing up for me in this way. And then it was like, oh, 
Of course you do. Wow, you've been carrying a whole lot of burden. I'm so sorry mm-hmm. that we haven't shown up to support you in that way. And you and and you know, you've been kind of a nagging asshole. <laughs> and honestly, it makes such sense about why you have been, you know, like you're trying to keep us all safe and you think that this job is 100% on you. Mm-hmm. And like what a tender what a tender like realization that was to go like this one part that I was hoping to just shut down and shut up actually just needs to be cared for. And ain't it always like that? Yeah. Same. Some, another thing I want to mention about um, if you're interested in like doing parts work or, or, or speaking to your parts um, for starters one thing that I'm learning is that I I had the impression that it was going to be like, and all of my parts come together and eventually I will feel like one part. Um, I can't say that that's, that's <laughs> happening for me. <laughs> and, and even I kind of expressed that as a concern to my therapist. And she was like, listen, it's more about being in relationship and your parts being in relationship. And I was like, wow, that is so soft and doable. You know, and being in a relationship doesn't always mean that we're communicating super well, that things are super fluid, but like we're trying. The effort is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tara Brock has a um, another, uh, She this is also on her podcast, but uh, The Reign of Self-Compassion, R-A-I-N, Recognize, Allow, Investigate, Nurture. Um, so she has a beautiful guided meditation, many of them, YouTube podcasts her website that um offer that guided practice and we highly recommend checking that out Mm -hmm. what were you gonna say ruby i think i was going to speak to in the same way that resentment for me is like look a little deeper like you're talking about like that bitchy part and and like just needing the attention or whatever and then by the way do you remember when we were at a bar last week and a man called me a bitch and i told him that he had a booger in his yes (laughs) that was you being very present (laughs) i was super present anyways what else (laughs) um resistance is another one of those feelings that lets me know that i am best served to lean in to myself and see a little closer. Like I think about Kate and I are currently invested in our commitment to the artist's way by Julia Cameron. We do our morning pages. We do our best to go on artist dates and we do the silly little tasks at the end of the chapters. (laughs) And chapter one. They're not silly. They're wildly (laughs) impactful. And super challenging sometimes. And chapter one tasks had me really feeling like, what the fuck? Why am I here? I should have never signed up for this. The resistance that came up. And it feels similar, even in like a very physical way. Like the response, like the visceral response that I had felt similar to being in a movement class. It felt like being in my first Pilates class. And I was like, 
this, like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, this movement is bizarre to me. I'm not really sure what it's supposed to be activating. Also, my first Pilates class, I think I was in the sixth grade. So I also had this, like, uh, I was pretty tall for my age, but, like, you know, a 12-year-old's body trying yeah. to, like, do Pilates. And I was just like, what? why are we here? I hate this. And then I didn't do Pilates again for, like, 15 years. Yeah. Um. But that same feeling of like, I'm doing the thing, but it is not comfortable. I don't understand it. There's not like, there's not a part of me that feels like I'm actively choosing this. And mm-hmm. the the like sense of like resistance that comes up and how that is always an indicator that there's something more to look at. Um, and the resistance makes me want to run away. And when I lean in, especially when it's like in relationship to myself and even, you know, with other people, but I'm speaking specifically Mm -hmm. to this experience in the artist way, is that then I am called within myself to notice what, what, what is going on here? What do you Mm -hmm. need? And then the need is kind of like, I need to feel capable. I need to feel like what I've done up until now is enough. I need to know that I'm doing a good job. And I need some space mm-hmm. to like process this. And like, I need more time. Mm-hmm. And the way that that. Like the soft animal uh, of your body loves what soft loves. animal of my body. And so, you yeah. know, then I was like, but I'm not going to. This feels important to me. So I'm not going to give up or whatever. But I'm also not going to do this task again for a few days or maybe ever and maybe I'll just move on to chapter two and see what that offers so even that like letting go of okay when I have those challenging feelings that are inviting me to lean in it is perfectionism that keeps me from connection with myself and it is Mm -hmm. my own humanity that allows me to lean in and have compassion yeah and that really really feels like the difference between the laser beam that you talk about in the beginning or the illumination of a (sighs) flashlight yes Mm -hmm. or you know flashlight is great i'm also right now imagining a headlamp because that's just wearable right i get to i still have full access to my body and the headlamp is wearable and kind of always on But can be dimmed, you know, less bright Uh when I don't need it to be so bright, brighter when I need it to be so different from a laser beam. Yeah, helps me see what's here. It is really that simple. Presence helps us see what's here and it helps us tell the truth. And presence is where we start your self-study practice. Presence is the first step. And we're not telling you that it's easy or that it always feels good or you cannot do it right. You cannot do it wrong. The super cool thing about a pre- practice of presence is that it always brings you face to face with what's true in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I would venture to say all of the time that is an intricate, messy nuance of mm-hmm. life. And so there may at any given moment be access to that thing is beautiful or a microdose of pleasure or mm-hmm. gratitude. 
and at the same time, right, in the same breath, maybe also there is presence to grief or physical Mm -hmm. discomfort or Mm -hmm. agitation or shame Mm -hmm. or something ugly in the world. And the, the art of attention and the practice of getting present enhances our capacity to be in the nuance which is an expanded capacity for life expansion yes yes like that continues to take us back to the expansion piece the sustainability and kind of like as it should right i think if the point of self-study has something to do with expansion and that came up for both of us then each of our themes leads us into expansion so, Ruby, are we going to tell them what the next theme is to get ready for the next? So, yeah, we are. For sure. Because. Do we are we do we want to give them any um, practices? We do want to give you some practices. Um, yeah. OK, so um, first of all, Tara Brock, Reign of Self-Compassion. Um, next, here's a quick one. Take a picture of your life and post one. What are you present to? Take a picture of something that you're present to. What are you literally seeing? What is opening up for you? What are you, um, like, damn, I can look out my window and see the stars in the sky and not right in this moment when I'm laying in bed in the night. Um, and that is like this deep sense of like, wow, here I am on this earth. Look at all this. Look at this expansive, beautiful sky. And so like in a moment like that, take a picture, post it, write about your experience, like let it be like a public journaling. And it doesn't matter if you have any followers or not. Or if the like, picture's good or aesthetic. That. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, this is not a practice of becoming a photographer. Yeah. Um, get present to five beautiful things every day. Write them in your journal or share them with somebody tell somebody in your life like let this be a practice of creating relationship um invite someone to lean in and remember also because of this if somebody is trying to show you something that they think is beautiful it's an opportunity for you to lean in take the opportunity always take the opportunity Mm -hmm. to lean in and then let the wisdom let the soft animal of your body tell you the truth and then make choices accordingly I would also like to offer as an exercise being in nature every day in some way, whether that is just putting your face in the sun or going for a Mm -hmm. walk or sitting under a tree, whatever that looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, one that has been so impactful for me in the process of getting more present to my life is recognizing how I feel and what I need. And so the Center for Nonviolent Communication has excellent resources in the form of lists that you can reference. When I started, when I realized that I wasn't fine and that fine was really covering up how I really felt, I also was not equipped to speak to how I felt without being able to reference a list first. So using a reference sheet for what feelings are present and then a reference sheet for what are the needs that aren't being met right now 
is a really excellent starting point for getting to know how it is that you feel underneath the fine or whatever that sounds like for you. So I recommend using those reference sheets either pulled up on your phone or on your computer or printed out in your journal. And um, this could be as simple of an exercise as making bullet points of I feel this, 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 whatever. I need this, this, this. And just do that every day. Yeah. And then lastly, one of our favorites, um, we call this one making an energy budget. And include your relationships in this. So what this looks like is uh, in your journal, you basically write down the shit that you notice that gives you energy and the kind of things or the people or the places um, or the activities that suck your energy. So what gives you energy and what takes your energy? Who gives you energy and who takes your energy? Who, what spaces, where... Who, what, when, where, why? Who, what, when, you're, where, why <laughs> gives energy and who, what, when, where, why takes energy. And just starting to notice, getting present to what is my energy like? What do I feel like? What's, how am I? And it's cultivating a sense of awareness for what's going on in your inner landscape. Our next mini series that's coming up is in May 2022 and it's on acceptance. And so what that is like is like you're noticing what's coming up in presence and then you've got to accept it. (laughs) So that's what that will be about. (laughs) That's what that'll be about. And um, in order to find all of that information, you can go to coaching and courses on the dualityproject.com. You can see all those mini courses. You can you can um, participate in a prior course that was offered. You can do that like on demand on your own time. So that's where that information lives on the website. Yeah, if you missed the live presence workshop and replay opportunity, that course is posted there and you can do that as well. And that is a uh, a conversation about presence. It is a meditation and it is an offering of exercises that you can be doing. We'd love for you to follow us on socials. So be engaged with us either on TikTok at The Duality Project or on Um, Instagram at the duality project. Also, our email address is connect at the duality project.com. Ruby and I both receive those emails and we would love to hear from you. Um, literally about anything we will respond to you. We can't respond that we will, we can't promise response, you know, within an hour that's unreasonable and boundaryless. We have boundaries, we have time boundaries, and that's good for you and good for us. So we will respond to you. We will read your email and we will get back to you when we can. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Saudi Podcast. We are so glad you're here. You're doing great. You are doing great. One thing that you'll see that's offered on our website is the self-study program as well as self-study coaching. The self-study program and self-study coaching gives you the skills and techniques to explore your feelings, identify your needs, set boundaries, and communicate clearly and compassionately so that who you want to be aligns with how you show up. It offers a container for inquiry and self-discovery. It's a place for you to land. When you give yourself a framework for accountability, you get to open yourself to the possibilities that are awaiting for you. You can either join us through a group coaching curriculum or through one-on-one coaching that fosters autonomy, yes and thinking, and meaningful connection. We do it together as a reminder that we are not alone. You're doing great. You're doing great, Kate. (laughs) 
You're doing great, Ruby. We'll see y'all next time. Bye.